Hello and welcome to Women in Strength. This is the podcast that goes far beyond what they teach us in Cert 3 and 4. My name is Rasheen Hawley and I'm going to be spending this time with you every single week, jumping into the real life challenges, the real life topics that we face as a coach, as a business owner, and as a woman running her own business in the fitness industry. I've been in the industry since 2013, where I started out as a sole trader in a commercial space, and now I own my own gym here in Melbourne called Barbell Babes Brigade. I absolutely love being in this industry, and I love educating and exploring the things that come up on a daily basis. I love to help other ladies really explore their capabilities as a business owner, as a coach, and seeing what they can do. Because the thing is, when we create businesses as women, we are unrivaled. We have a power that is so untouchable and I really, really want to explore these topics that quite frankly can stop us in our tracks sometimes. So strap in, we've got lots of stuff to cover. On this week's episode, we have my second guest and her name is Kelly. Now Kelly is a gym owner in Perth and her gym is called Intrepidus Strengths. Uh, Intrepidus focus on semi-private for ladies that lift. And the thing that I love about what Kelly is doing so much is that the gym really allows a space for ladies of all ages um, through different lifespans to continue to build strength. Um, And in this episode, we delve into so much about specificity for women um, with programming, lifestyle considerations, and we touch base on competition too. Um, And Kelly also talks to us about how her first, uh, when she was first training before she got into her gym, she took over the first floor of her house to run her business. So it was really awesome to hear that as well. Um, Just a little note, there is some glitch in this episode with the internet cutting out a little bit. Um, I hope you can get through the annoying little parts because there are very much big nuggets of gold here. Uh, So thank you so much, Kelly. And I can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. Well, hello, Kelly. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast as my second guest. Um, I'm so excited to have you on board. So hello. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) Now, today's episode, we're going to be talking about all things strength training for women. Um, And you know, there are not a lot of female specific gyms in this space. So when I first met Kelly and realized that we do very similar things instantly, I was like, all right, I really want to connect with this gal. I want to see what she's about. Um, And the more that we've talked, we've really resonated with our principles and what we're doing in our gym space. So I'm excited for us to open up today. So if you want to just um, introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about you. Okay, um, my name is Kelly. I have um, three daughters. They're 14, 12 and 5. I own a gym in Perth called Intrepidus Strength and Conditioning. Um, It's a ladies only gym. Um, We focus on semi-private training for ladies only. Um, And I guess our motto is Stronger for Life. So we do focus on strength training and we do do powerlifting within our gym. But my main goal for our clients is to improve their quality of life Mm-hmm. Awesome. How long have you been in the industry for, Kelly? Um, so I got into the industry in 2013 um, and I, yeah, I got into the industry in 2013, started like bodybuilding like a lot of women do. Um, I did one bodybuilding show and it just didn't fit with me. <laughs> um, so then I started, okay, Sorry. Um, I didn't actually know that about you. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, yeah. So basically I, I, did a power, um, I did a bodybuilding show 
that, um, yeah, it just, it, I wasn't comfortable in that whole scenario, like backstage, seeing women standing in a mirror, looking at themselves and getting judged for their bodies. Um, it just wasn't for me. So after I did the bodybuilding show, I realised that I wanted to build my knowledge on strength training so that I could train my clients better. So I went to a coach, um, a male coach, and um, he basically started me with some weightlifting um, and then we got into powerlifting and and strength training and I just um, knew that that was my jam. Um, and, yeah, that was 2014 was when I did my first competition um, and, yeah, that's pretty much what I've stuck to ever since then. Yeah, okay. So you had that experience from the get-go and you're like, this is not really my thing. Yes. Um, and then flipped it over and you just had like an instant, I really like this or was it an instant attraction to strength training? Um, yeah, yes, for me it was. Yeah. Um, so when I initially started training people, I was training people from my house um, and I guess we are doing more of a circuit style of training because I felt like for me as a new trainer, it was more accessible training people from my house. You didn't need to have the big bulky equipment. Um, but then as soon as I started to get into the strength training myself, my clients started getting attracted to it too, because they saw how much I was enjoying it. And I guess saw the excitement, um, in making those small improvements every week. Um, and then they started asking me questions about it. Um, and then that's kind of how we got more into like, I guess, small group strength training as opposed to circuit training. Um, I think also for me, um, the circuit training, I didn't feel like, I didn't want to keep doing the circuit style of training with my clients because I felt like I got better results from the strength training. And so I didn't feel like um, I was doing the right thing by my clients if I kept training them in a way, even though it was easier and more convenient, if I kept training them in a way that the results weren't as good. And, weren't, and and I guess the longevity, I guess, with, with strength training, you, I feel like you can keep improving and keep getting better um, where I feel like with the circuit style training, you sort of hit a ceiling and you can also burn out from it, I guess. 100%, like you have your limitations, hey? Yes. Uh, so then when, so you've, your gym now, tell me a little bit around how long you've had that for and when, like where was that middle ground? So you had, you're training at home. and Yes. Then, to owning a gym? Yeah, so I was training at home. That was for about two years and um, it basically took over the whole first floor of my house. So we were in a two-storey house. It started out in the garage and we had a long driveway. Um, From there, I said to my husband, we need some strength training equipment, so can we use the games room? Um, So I bought a rack, I bought a platform and a bar and a couple of bumper plates so it started in there <laughs> and then as we grew, I was like, can it just take over the whole lounge room as well? <laughs> so we had, yeah, we had a, like a proper bench press, competition bench press, um, yeah, um, a platform in my lounge room. <laughs> um, a platform like dumbbells, bumper plates, bars, everything. Um, and we were doing a mixture of the circuit training and the semi-private training. And, um, then I fell pregnant with my third daughter. Um, and it was a big house, but I realized that we needed, well, I needed my own personal space back. 
and we needed more room <laughs> to live in the house. <laughs> um, it was good at the time because my two older girls were, must have been about six or seven or seven and eight. So I was able to get up in the morning and train clients. My husband would go to work. He's a Tyler. So he'd get up early and go to work and the kids would just be upstairs and I knew that they were safe and okay and I'd still be able to work. Um, but then, yeah, when, when, I, when I was about to have Ava, I was like, oh, I need a, I need a place. Yeah. So um, there happened to be a commercial building that was about two 300 metres from my house um, and we moved in there just before I had her. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. <laughs> got like chills because that's the same as me like I was pregnant and I have my gym it's the same as you like yes. we're yes. and you're like I'm gonna do it now yeah like, and because I know I knew that about you and I was like, oh my gosh that's so similar how you were like doing the setup and everything when you were pregnant and I was the same I was like carrying kettlebells around and doing all this stuff and I was about to about to pop <laughs> Okay, wow. So you've gone from literally from your home space to taking over your first floor to then being in your own space completely. And how, yes. how long have you been there now? Five years in the commercial premises. Yes. Wow, interesting. Because I speak to a lot of coaches that are training out of their home and sometimes they can't see that kind of middle point of going from home to like their own space. Yes. 110% achievable. Yes. Um, and we'll definitely talk about that. Yeah. For, for me, it was it was a safe way to do it because I had about 40 clients that I was training from my house and I was training all of them. I didn't have any coaches working for me at that stage. So I knew that I could go into the commercial building and cover all of my costs to begin with without having to take on too much of a risk. Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Wow. So pointer to all those ladies out there that either want a family, have a family, you can do it. And I honestly think, you know, when you're making a baby, you create some like superwoman juice that you just don't even realize until you're there. Like seriously, it's like hashtag mumstrong shit comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's get into one of my first questions. So both of us specifically have female gyms. We only train women. Um, And I really wanted to talk about and get your thoughts on specific considerations that you have within your gym and within your coaching team um, around training a woman. Okay. not necessarily specific to like what we see as the standard things on you know socials but I just want to know your perspective around things yeah okay kind of the first consideration that we might discuss is like psychological considerations for training women so whether that's things like lifestyle indicators um you know emotional needs psychological needs like what kind of things do you think about when you're training a woman whether it's putting it into her programming or whether it's just a session as a whole Okay. Um, I guess it's getting to know each person as an individual. I'd say that's the biggest thing. Um, So we spend a lot of time when we first meet the lady, just getting to know her personality. Um, And I think what's really important is that you treat each client as 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 an individual and you sort of cater your coaching style to each person. Um, so yeah, that might mean that for one person I'm really nurturing and for another person I'm pushing them. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's like your first thing is going, okay, who is this person? You know, what are the demands of their lifestyle, I guess? And then what 
their personality type and how can I gel with them the best? Yeah, and I think as well, um, for me, it's about getting somebody to make training a part of their life forever because that's what's going to be most beneficial for them if they can make it a part of their routine. So it's only going to work if it fits in with their lifestyle. So if all they can do to begin with is two sessions a week, then we will make their programming fit in with their lifestyle rather than the other way around. Yeah, I love that because, you know, like I'm not old, but I definitely feel like the industry can be catered towards like early 20s, you know, people without any um, things to consider in their life, like no people hanging off them, no, you know, demands of lifestyle. And that's like early 20s don't have that but I think there's this ethos that it has to be hustle hard you know train every second day if not every day and if that doesn't fit then strength training doesn't fit with you yeah yes yeah and I, I mean I so I really don't agree with that because we've had we've prepped women for powerlifting comps training two days a week for one hour And they've made really good progress. And you know what? Well, the winner of the competition at the end, but they don't care because they achieved their own success and they've proved to themselves that they've done something that they didn't think they were capable of doing. So it's lifting them as a person in every other area of their life, not just inside the gym. And that's it. Like the sport of powerlifting as a whole, right? Like I actually think it's the way we're starting to prep a lot of lifters, it is getting more inclusive and it is taking into a lot of different considerations. Yes. You know, because when was your first competition for powerlifting? 2014, early 2014. Like literally similar to me. And like, you know, back then it was like, it looked a certain way. It was like a stock standard way of like competing and and your minimum days that you might do. And then as we've stayed longer in the sport, it's kind of like, well, can we do it a different way, you know, like bend the rules a little bit? Yes, yes yeah. Uh, it, has to, it has to fit in with the person's life. If it doesn't, it's not going to be something that they're going to stick with. So that's pretty much our, our main thing. Whatever it is that we're doing, whether it's powerlifting related, whether it's lifestyle related, does it fit in with a person's life? Oh, um, and if it doesn't, they're not going to do it. The, the other thing I think as well is, you know, action drives motivation. So if you can just get somebody in for two sessions a week and then they start to realise the benefits of what they're doing, they will make more time for it too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like giving them that positive reinforcement at the start that they can do it and then it yeah. can do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's so true. In terms of like the segue that I want to ask you about now is when we obviously get a lady who wants to come in, whatever her goals are, we're looking at her lifestyle. We're really putting her at the forefront of our mind because we want to, you know, create a positive experience for her. What kind of considerations do you take into account with programming? Okay. So I've got a list for these because it's quite a lot of things that we will um, go through. So um, first thing we'll do is just look at their movement screen. Um, so with all of our clients that come in, we'll just do a screen that looks at their movement around their shoulders, their hips, their knees and their ankles. Um, and so the first thing will be, do they have any mobility concerns that we need to factor in into their programming? Is there any muscular imbalances that have come up? Um, and are there any weaknesses that need addressing? So that's number one. Um, next thing we'll look at is injuries, past and present. So are they nursing any current injuries? 
if they are, how can we program around this? Um, it may be just talking to them and asking more questions or at times reaching out to whoever their healthcare professional is and seeing what it is that we need to do in order to get this person moving again. Mm-hmm. Um, the beauties of you doing a semi-private model. Yes. You can really build that into their programming. Yeah. So, with, uh, I mean, I know there's different semi-private training models around. Our model is that each person gets their own training program. So, it's easy for us to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, if they've got any previous injuries, we'll also look at what was it that may have caused that injury and what can we do in their current training program in order to prevent that injury from reoccurring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you tend to get um, a lot of women that have had injuries or? Yeah, I think so. I, I can't think of many people that come through our doors yeah. that haven't had something, you know, and it might just be something little and it might have been years ago, but you know, knees, shoulders, um, a rolled ankle. I mean, obviously a lot of people have a history of lower back ache or pain. Um, So, you know, it's trying to figure out is it because of the way that they were moving when they were training previously? Is it because there's a weakness there? What do we need to address in order to to have them training pain-free and to get them progressing and enjoying what they're doing as well? What's the most common things that you usually get in the screening process? Um, I'd say lack of shoulder mobility yeah. and and lack of ankle mobility. Yeah, yeah, okay. And you're so right. Like I, you know, as a coach and, you know, other coaches that probably listen to this, when we get someone, we go through a consult or a screening and they've got like nothing, you're like, oh, wow, all right. Like that's the golden unicorn. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you're also waiting and going, when we start training, is anything going <laughs> to pop up? Because it's quite unusual. Like, I mean, most of my clients, I would say, are 30-plus. Okay. Yeah. So if you get to that age and you haven't injured yourself, you're possibly somebody that hasn't exercised much in your life. Um, and then you may have to deal with um, helping people with coordination and that sort of thing if they haven't had much experience mm-hmm. exercising or training in a gym before. Yeah. So that's a point for anyone listening. Cause I don't know if you get it, but when clients come to us, sometimes they'll be like, Oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how good I am, or I'm not sure if I can do this. And it's like, no, you're the, you're the majority Like, yes. and not yes. to have people that have nothing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, what else? We look at training experience. Um, because I think sometimes for people with more experience, it can sometimes be harder to train them. Um, <laughs> because they've got a, an idea in their mind about how they want things to be um, and you might have a different idea. Um, so it's sometimes like figuring out a way to pull back the reins with those people but in a way that they'll be happy with. Yeah. Um, and then I guess, I guess um, yeah, for people that are less experienced, incorporating stuff like tempo work, um frequency of movements so quite a lot of the times if I have someone that come who if we have someone that comes to us who is maybe 40 plus has never trained in a gym before and is struggling with the coordination of some movements we might give them two programmed days that are exactly the same because we don't want to overwhelm them um, and we want to give them the opportunity to acquire the skill of the movements that they're doing. And if we're throwing two different programs days in, 
a lot of the time it makes it hard for them to reinforce the, le- the learning of the movements. Yeah. Um, so even though that might seem a bit boring for some, um, for new people who haven't trained before, they quite appreciate it because they're not overwhelmed with trying to learn too much too soon. That, that's interesting that you say that because, I mean, we train women. So this is the subset and this is the population that we know. So I actually don't know if this is similar to dudes, but, you know, we do our training phases over four to six weeks, depending on the, the person, but typically it would be every four weeks. One of the most common things that we get is if we would change something and then they're like, oh, I just got the hang of it. So yeah. we tend to pull things over a lot because women really like to have time with things. Yes, yes. Is that yeah, like, you? Yeah, we, we sometimes have people ask us, Yes. For their program block to be longer and we'll oblige with stuff like that um and they're like why do we need to change it well you've gotten stronger and you've progressed so we can progress the movements that you're doing um but if if it makes them feel more comfortable we will give them usually a couple of weeks longer 100 <laughs> percent. and I think because like when I first got into the industry like some of the big stuff that was floated around was like this notion of variety yes <laughs> you know, like clients wanted variety. Like when we got taught, when we went through our certs, clients want variety to mix it up, you know, really feel like they're doing stuff. And I'm like, it's not like that now. Like, in fact, like a lot of our ladies like the monotony and like to know that they're doing things and having yeah. fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I remember in, in, our, in our certification, it was like, get as many tools in the toolbox tool, tool as you can and keep the client guessing from session to session. <laughs> It's so it's so because come to us for variety of exercises. They come for so much more than that. Yeah, it'd be actually interesting to talk to a male coach and see if that's similar. Because I find that that's a big shared thing, and it's cool that you said it as well. That girls just want to know that they can do some stuff really good. Yeah, that give it to them again if they like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome, awesome. What else have we got? Um, so age and lifestyle factors. So I guess what we we're talking about a little bit before, but if we have a younger client who's got less external stresses in their life, so they don't have kids, they don't have a stressful job, we'll know that they'll be able to recover faster, which also means that we'll probably be able to work them a little bit harder in the gym. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, if you've got a new mum who's lacking in sleep um, and they're just learning to come to terms with the new life, we will make their program really I guess, easy um, so that we're not adding any extra stress onto their life um, so that they've got the opportunity to recover from not being able to sleep and and learning to, to have a new baby. That's so true. Like, I don't know, is this something that you have with your clients that it's like it's such a skill set for women as a whole to, like, understand their own, like, recovery practices and their own recovery like management and what they need. Is that a thing that you guys struggle with? I think people come into the gym, they don't really understand how to listen to their bodies. Um, And I think it's something that we try to teach them um, to tune into. So, for example, if... We've, we've obviously got our clients' programs done, but if they came into the gym and said something was feeling a bit harder, we'd start asking questions. What was your sleep like last night? What have your last few days been like? Um, 
where are you at in your cycle, for yeah. example, and if they have to um, indicate under a bit more stress, pressure, haven't had enough sleep, yeah. we'll just pull things back for that day or that week um, so that so that we're not adding additional stress, which is going to be harder to recover from, and then I think in the long term their training won't progress. Totally, totally. And that's an interesting thing because, again, like when you first got into powerlifting, was that kind of an ethos that you were trained on or not really? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like I definitely think that as we've gone through and as the sport of powerlifting has increased or strength training as a whole, like the auto-regulation, the working around your cycle, like I think we're getting, you know, better at doing that as a fitness industry now. Yes. And I think from my personal point of view, as I've trained over the years, I've learned from my own experiences. So before I used to think it was go harder and make more improvements, but I've started to learn that if I push myself too hard, you start to lose the enjoyment of training and then you don't train as consistently and then you're not making the gains anyway. So if I can make it fit in with my lifestyle so I'm consistently training over the course of a year, I'll probably make more progress if I fit it in with my lifestyle than if I went hard for a few months and then got burnt out and had to take a break. Yeah, yeah. So you guys obviously consider that a lot as well with your programming. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially, I'd say, more so for our powerlifting clients. Um, There are, look, I think I like how a lot of this um, information has come out on the cycle and a lot of people are sharing information on it. And um, there's a lot of graphs about that explain, like, when you're stronger, when you're weaker, when you're more prone to injury. But I definitely think that it's individualised to each woman. Yeah. Because, like, I don't fit into that box of what that graph says. Um, and so for me, it's about pinpointing with each client how much they're affected by their cycle. Um, yeah, I've got one lady in particular that is quite affected, like around the time of ovulation, where they say that she's where you should be peaking in strength. And then she's also affected in the week prior to, to getting her menstrual cycle. Um, and then I've got other people that don't get affected at all. So it just depends on the person as to how much will adjust their program um, as to how much they're affected by it. 100%. 100%. I think that's so important to note because, like, you know, the cycle is just hugely so personal. Like, it sounds like we're quite similar. Like, I can pretty much train through anything. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily have to take or make many changes through my cycle. But then we have ladies that, wow, it, you know, the the back the back cramps just are incredible that there's no way I could put a bar loaded on someone's back during that time. So we make that adjustment. Do you find, like, when you make adjustments like that with your ladies, do they sometimes go into a space where they don't want to do that adjustment? Um, no, because we've educated them. <laughs> yes, initially, but we've talked it, talked about it a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, probably the last the last um, powerlifting comp that our clients did, which was about a month ago, we'd had a lot of discussions prior to the comp prep itself. Yeah. And probably in with those girls that were doing higher intensity lifts before the comp prep, we were already factoring it into their programming anyway. Yeah. 
Um, so they already knew. And I think it's so important to have those conversations before because it doesn't freak them out and make them think that they're weak <laughs> on that particular day and then affect training going forward. Yeah, yeah. It's That's it. Like, you know, we think about unknowns as a whole. If the unknown gets thrown on us and we're not prepared, it's like, oh, my God, shit hits the fan. But if we've at least just had that conversation and it comes, we've just had that little bit of, like, you know, it's been raised to our consciousness and we can just deal with it better. Yes, yes, yeah. Like even in my community, you know, as we evolve as coaches and as our community evolves, so you've had your gym for five years, you know, your clients get educated as well. So, you know, when coaches, because they'll say to me sometimes, but, you know, my clients won't want to hear that. And I say, well, probably not at the start, but it's our job to educate them and then respect that they're going to go through their own journey. So that's their, that's their initial response. But it's not to say it's going to be like that in another six months. Yeah, and I mean, I think what you talk about um, with creating systems or creating documents, Mm. if you just start creating documents that you can share to your Facebook group or share within the gym, Mm. people can read that in their own time and then you can start talking about it with them at a later date. Um, So I I guess that's how we kind of go about it. And I always tell my clients that we're always, as a coach, we're always evolving and learning. So if I've changed my tact, it's because I know better now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, we we all, we both entered the industry in 2013. We got educated that was hustle hard, like go, go, go. Powerlifting looks a certain way and it doesn't necessarily take into account a woman's body and woman's needs. Yes. And, you know, by proxy, we, we coach out of that. So as we've stayed in the industry longer, I know I've definitely grown as a coach and that's obviously parlayed onto my clients as well. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. That's interesting. On a side note, um, one of my clients in Brisbane, so we have some remote coaching that we do as well. She competed on Sunday. Yeah. And literally got woken up at 6.30 a.m. by her period on that day. Oh. <laughs> just the fucking worst when that yeah. happened. But we just had that conversation. You go, okay, cool. We then look at the ranges because you've got to plan for this. So if you're a coach and you train women, like I had already had a look at her attempts around that. So you just, it's part of our life. Yes. Yep. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> we have any other considerations? Um, yeah. So um, basically their goals are a consideration. Um, I've lost you. Oh, I was just going to say the, the internet looked like it cut out, but you're back. So, um, yeah, I guess their goals are a, the, their goals are a consideration. So, um, you know, we might have a, you know, we might have a client that their goal is to be able to get up and down off the floor. And we might have a client whose goal is to be better at triathlons and we might have a client whose goal is to compete in powerlifting. So you're going to train each one of those people in three completely different ways. Uh Um, And, you know, for me, the lifestyle clients, I would be a lot less aggressive in the way that I coach them because for me it's about keeping in the gym, keeping them in the gym, keeping their bodies healthy, um, improving their quality of life, yeah. Um, whereas someone who's preparing for a competition, they want to work a bit harder. And, and I guess you will probably take more risks um, at the with whatever competing in, whether it's it's a sport or or it's a strength sport. Um, the last thing that we had was just like special considerations. So pregnancy, 
postpartum and medical conditions. That's the other thing that we would consider with programming, which I'm yep. sure most coaches would. In that last one there, so do you train a lot of postpartum ladies? Yes. Yeah. 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 Specifically, can we talk about that briefly? Like what kind of considerations are you looking at with respect to obviously the woman's body and the changes that we go through um, with respect to their, their training? Okay. Um, so when they initially come back into the gym, obviously we want to make sure that they've got the clearance from their doctor, number one. Um, having those conversations around when you come back in, we're going to be easing back into things. Depending on someone's personality, um, they can want to go really hard when they come back in. Um, um, I guess looking at their pelvic floor health, um, we would urge people to go and see a women's health yeah. physio. Some people don't want to go see a women's health physio. I think that people are afraid because they're afraid that the women's health physio might tell them something that they don't want to hear. So tell them that they've got a prolapse or tell them that um, there's a problem there and they're afraid of what um, what that means. Yeah. Um, and also... I guess they're afraid that the women's health physio isn't going to be supportive of their goals. That, oh, my gosh, that. Because there are physios like that, right? Like, you know, when a physio is not educated on the amazing benefits of strength training, we all have dealt with physios before where they're like, don't do this, this, this. And sometimes yeah. the perception of a physio just saying you can't do things, people don't want to be told that. They want to know, well, what can I do and how can we work together? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't myself in Perth been able to find a women's health physio um, that I feel is 100% on board with strength training. Um, so, and I'm, I'm sure there is, I'm sure there is some around. So, um, I would love to hear from them if there are, but, but yeah, I'd love to be able to have someone that I could refer my clients to where I know that they're going to be 100% supportive of my client's goals and not tell them to stop doing what they enjoy. Yeah. 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 And you're right. Like sometimes clients just don't want to go there because that's their, it's their passion. It's their heart, soul. They love strength training, especially yeah. before, obviously. And they don't want to have it taken away from them again. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I guess what other considerations? Um, we'll do a lot around the breathing side of things um, because I wouldn't recommend like a Valsalva manoeuvre for someone coming back into the gym. Um, so it's getting women to learn how to lift their pelvic floor and exhale on effort as opposed to that breathing and bracing style of training. Um and I guess a lot of it is just asking questions, seeing how they recover from session to session. So initially when they come back into the gym, we'll start, we'll ease them back into things, make sure that um, it's something that they're, that they're more than capable of doing and then we'll follow up with them on a regular basis. Even the next day, even if they're not in the gym, we'll probably send them a message and see how they've recovered for that first few weeks. Yeah. Um, and then we'll know if we need to make any adjustments going forward um, to what they're doing. So just like asking a lot of questions, making adjustments as needed and not being really rigid in the programming. Absolutely. I think like having obviously uh, both of us having had kids before, it's just so much conversation and it's just making that a space where they don't feel like they can't say anything to us or like yeah. the concern. Yeah. I mean, obviously sleep's a factor as well. Um, so 
yeah, making them aware that if they are feeling really tired or if they've had a bad night's sleep, that it's not a bad thing to pull back on things. Um, and, and, and that we're more than happy to make adjustments for them as well. And that it's not a bother for us. Yeah. Because they, they say that, right? I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to, you know. Yeah, I don't want to trouble you. I don't know. <laughs> you're not. You're absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So sleep and, and breathing, especially like, you know, especially if we've trained a lady before who has had something like Valsalva Maneuver and then they go back into training, it can be such a learned pattern. So yeah be really hard for them to teach you know the lift and then the exhale yes they're just so used to it yes yep yeah yeah interesting interesting awesome well I think that's actually um a nice little segue that I want to ask for the next question like as a whole because you run a gym and you obviously have a client base are there specific emotional needs and considerations that you see come up a lot with your woman that you need to kind of factor into your gym or just have it on your lens as a gym owner and a coach? Um, I would say the two biggest ones that I would say are fears. So fears around things um, and and I guess getting people to try and face their fears. Um, something like as small as we've had, we've had a number of girls be afraid to wear a soft suit in a powerlifting competition. Um, And so I think it was sometime last year, me and one of the other coaches, Claire, wore wore a soft suit. Like we went on a wine tour and I put the soft suit on at one of the wineries Uh and Claire went shopping in her soft suit, you know. um, So, so, you know, just I guess trying to support them in that way to show them that, if we can go shopping in our soft suit, you can do a, you can do a powerlifting competition in a soft suit when everyone else is wearing one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess um, I would say pressure, people putting putting like unnecessary pressure on themselves. Um, and I guess I guess in the gym as well. So putting pressure on themselves around certain expectations and what they want to do, and. I guess for us it's trying to figure out how to get them to understand that if they want to train for the long term, putting these extra pressures on themselves to achieve certain things is actually probably going to turn them off training. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's so interesting because that's really similar to us as well. Like if you think about it, because the, the training modality of strength training, right, like, that the the actual the physical things that we do the aim of the game is to help manage pain is to help our bodies get stronger and that can be done through applying extra resistance through our body with a barbell or a dumbbell so naturally we're going to be if we're if we're drawn to that training modality we're typically going to be more of a growth-minded person we typically want to you know play around with a little bit of challenge but then when it goes too much it's about like bringing that back in line yes yeah yeah, like I've I've seen people turn themselves off training because they're putting so much pressure on themselves to always be improving. Um, and I guess then it's trying to get them to take their foot off the gas mm-hmm. and um, go back to training for the enjoyment of it. Yeah, but then that's not like exciting to say. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying <laughs> to do like sub-maximal lifts all the time. And yeah. Just- 
<laughs> no <laughs> over here. It's not exciting, right? But the reality is that a lot of us need to live there sometimes. Yeah, and also if you can just keep being consistent, even yeah. if it's less in a less pressured way, you will evolve over time without having to have that pressure of needing to do it by a certain date. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh, it's so true. Is there anything else that you see come up, like, as a collective or are those the biggest you know, the biggest things that you'll work through with your clients? Um, I don't know. I can't really pinpoint anything because for us, it's more about just addressing things as they come up. I think the biggest thing as a coach is just to, I guess, empathize with your clients in any issues that they're having and show them understanding. Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, Especially like, I mean, not this, this, not every woman is like this, but we like to have these conversations and tackle them as they come through. Like, it sounds like you'd be quite similar to us. Like, it, it doesn't come up out of the blue because you would know by conversation naturally. Like, yeah. that's your job as a coach. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think I found it hard to kind of pinpoint anything for that because we know our clients so well that we kind of already know everything that's going on, you know, like we know what's happening in their life. We know when their partner's away and that they're more stressed out. Um, yeah, you, you, you just, you, you know them so well. It's the relationship that you have with your clients when you see them two to three times a week over a period of years. Um, for me, I know them as well as or better than some of my close friends, <laughs> Yeah, because that's like we're similar. We have a we've created our training models to be that because that's the type of like training relationship we enjoy. Like yeah. it's not just for the client, it's for the coach as well. Like this is our life, this is our career. You know, we want to enjoy what we're doing on a regular basis and make it our lifestyle. So yeah. we know our clients on the regular. Yeah, and I mean, I think they're comfortable to come into the gym and tell us. Yeah when they're having issues with things. So I don't feel like we need to draw things out of people. I feel like it's that safe space that they can come into um, and if they need to offload some of their problems on us and yeah. and just talking about it sometimes is enough to make them feel better and they'll start sometimes giving themselves solutions by voicing how they're feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. I can't wait to come to Perth and, like, visit your gym. Me too. I can't wait to come and see your gym. <laughs> saw us, so that was really, really nice. Yeah. I have a baby. Like, yeah. How long is she? Um, she is, oh, she's she's just gone on maternity leave last week and she's due on the 1st of November. Oh, my gosh. So for people listening, Claire is Kelly's coach and she came to Melbourne and I remember seeing her and now she's pregnant. So yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love it when women are in this space and we're doing our thing. We're making babies and we're living our best life and we're still creating businesses. Like it's just, it, it can be done. Like it really, you can build your life around what you want to do as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, on that, like I think for Claire, she's, she's planning to come back to work in February. So she's having about four months off, but I think she's coming back part-time, but I think it's actually a really good career for part-time because yeah. and if you've got a baby because you can work for a few hours in the morning you can if you're breastfeeding you can still feed your baby you can have that downtime in the middle of the day and then you can leave the baby with your partner in the evening work for a few hours 
and then um, be able to go home and attend to its needs. 100%, 100%. Very achievable. You can do both, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> last question that I wanted to um, talk about, or the last kind of topic, is about competition coaching. Yes. Because I love, you know, there's not a lot of um, women competition coaching out there. Um, and I know you had a comp recently, and you had a pretty big team that you took, yeah? Yeah, we had 10 ladies and I think there was 20 female competitors and we had half of them so that was so cool and it's Claire just rocking her bubba I just love photos yeah (laughs) all right how long have you been competition coaching for now okay so I had to go back on my Instagram and figure out when we did our first um coaching so um in April 2015 is when we coached our first Two lift, well, when I when I because it was just me then um, coached our first two lifters in a novice competition. Wow! And you said earlier that obviously as you got into um, comp, like clients naturally got interested. And yes. Like cool. Is that how it's growing for you as a business and you as your comp girls? Yeah. So um, I I was doing a lot more personal training, and then I was doing the circuit training back then. Um, and I think I had about six or seven PT clients who were um, watching what I was doing and wanted to have a wanted to have a go at it. And so I was like, why don't we do like some group sessions like Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Because that way you'll be able to train more times with me and it will be more cost effective for you. And um, I still remember the first testing night that we did in our gym. Um, I think there was about nine ladies, but it was just just such a good vibe, like just so supportive. And then as they did that and shared the, their feelings and their results with other women that were training with us in the circuit training capacity, more people started to become interested in it. Yeah, it's just a flow on, right? Yeah. Because you know what it's like, like when you when you do something under a barber and you're like, oh, my God, you, it's just like a full body and, like, people are drawn to that because you can't, like, you can't fake that. Like, such a visceral feeling that flows out. Yeah, yeah. 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 So with competition coaching, obviously it sounds like it was a very natural progression for your gym and for the people that you train. Like, yes. what do you love about competition coaching the most? What I what I love specifically about powerlifting competition is that anybody can do it. Yeah. Any age, shape or size can do it. And every single person's success is celebrated. So what I say to my newbies, like people that want to do a competition but are afraid, you could go up there and be the lift the lightest weight for the day and have the lowest total but the crowd winner of the competition and you will still come away with feelings of excitement and satisfaction within yourself when you hit those pbs yeah oh man i like i've been <laughs> so long i literally got chills because for, for us who have competed and for other people that haven't it looks really intimidating and when you say something like that they'll be like oh no because they're worried about what they're lifting but that's the beauty of powerlifting like no one actually gives a shit how yeah. much lifting yeah yeah that's what that's what that's what I love about it the most and that anybody can do it yeah yeah like you could literally jump up there and even fail your lift and get a red line, everyone's like, yes, like you rocked it. Yeah, yeah well, you know, um, in, at the last competition, one of my girls did a 180 kilo deadlift 
and she 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 failed it because she got called for dipping the bar. Yeah. Um, but like. Whatever. Everybody in the crowd was the was so excited to see someone lift 180 kilos that we didn't really care anyway. I'm like, you still lifted it. It doesn't matter. Like, it's, a, it's a technical, but in our hearts, you fucking lifted it. Yeah, exactly. If you did it in the gym, you would say you did 180 kilos. <laughs> so good. That's so good. So it's like it's such a, a important point to make to any women that wanted to compete. Like. There is no barrier of how strong you need to be. Like it doesn't matter where you're at. Like anyone can do it. It's one of those sports that anybody can get into at any shape where they can be good at it and they can celebrate what their body can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. It's so obtainable to all of the beautiful diversity of being a woman and our bodies and our shapes and who we are. So it's like it doesn't, what's the word? Like it has no predisposition of whether you fit to be a powerlifter, like anyone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess my last question with competition is when it comes, like I personally never prepped a dude on a competition. So I've only ever prepped ladies for a powerlifting comp. Do you like, yes. do you consider anything specific or is there any other considerations in which you're opening when you're prepping well, like actually handling someone backstage? Um, I guess for, when I'm handling someone backstage, um, I guess it's looking at, again, looking at the individual and seeing what they need. Some people need calming. <laughs> Some people need geeing up. Um, and I would say for women, there's probably a lot more nerves around it. Um, what we would definitely factor in, especially for a first-timer, is making sure that their first lift is more than achievable um explaining to them the rules um, and setting some guidelines around um what we'll do if certain things happen so if they fail a lift like what what would we do um what else I know there's there's definitely some other things I just can't think that's a good that's a good point because like you know, we talked about the unknown thing, right? Like a lot of ladies just want to know that there's a plan B and C and they feel comforted knowing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, well, yeah, what I was going to say is is getting them to understand the basic rules. Yeah. Um, so what we do, um, we actually, before people start a comp prep, we just give them uh, some basic rules of powerlifting. Cool. Uh, and then we explain the calls and everything like that so they can start practicing all of that stuff in their training as well yeah 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 um and yeah sorry (laughs) I've gone blank (laughs) it goes back to like that personal touch and like recognizing what she needs based on who she is what she thrives on and really making her feel just comfortable like that's just that's the biggest thing for us as comp handlers is we just want to set up like a, an environment for them to have their little safe bubbles even though you might have like for your 10 competitors that yeah. would be all different you got to have this person that maybe needs a little bit of security this person that wants to have some g up like it's just yes yeah yeah um what we obviously give everyone a comp plan for the day and with the last competition where we had 10 lifters and there was only two of us because we usually get some girls to help out the back, but all the girls that help would help out the back were competing. Um, so everyone had their plans, so they knew all of their warm-ups. We had a Zoom call 
the week before and we talked about everything and we asked we got the girls to ask us any questions for any uncertainties that they had um we had I think the first and two attempts were set for the third attempt we had rangers um I was standing like right next to where the lifters went out and Claire would be in and out helping the girls with their warm-ups um and then obviously I would help them plan with their third attempts um We'd usually, depending on the person, we'd usually come together to find a happy number that we're both happy with. Yeah, yeah. Um, With the third attempt, I always make it clear to my lifters, do you want to get this lift? And if you don't, are you going to be disappointed if you finish on your second number? If you're happy with finishing on their second number, we'll usually take a bit more of a risk for their third attempt. If there's somebody that wants the, the three wants to get all of their lifts, then we'll be more conservative on their third attempt. Totally. Yeah. I mean, again, like, because I don't prep dudes, like, it would be so interesting to hear their ethos around, like, preparation because for both of us, like, what you're saying is exactly what we do. Like, even at the start of a comp, when we've got our girls, we just sit while we're at the comp, have a little bit of a huddle, just go, cool, toilets here, you know, just get everyone on the same page. And so the overarching theme is that we're all talkers and we're all planning and, and making everyone comfortable. So I think yeah. important and, and women specifically want to feel supported and safe in the environment, especially when they're nervous. So it's cool that we're very similar there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, for me, the, the main thing I want for a first competition or a first-time competitor is for the person to have a positive experience. That's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that so much. I can't wait to, I just can't wait to go to a comp. I'm missing them so much. (laughs) Here in Melbourne, we're obviously seeing people going to comps and it's like such massive FOMO. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That was awesome. Um, I love just hearing your thoughts and, and seeing, you know, the considerations that you do. Um, because you've been in the industry for a while now and I think a lot of people have got a lot to learn from what you're doing with your gym in terms of like cultivating the community and the really nurturing space and then also taking it and nurturing clients over different like lifespans because your gym is a lot more diverse in terms of range than my gym you know you have like what's the oldest lady that you have 75 75 what a queen yeah she'd never she'd never done any strength training before she came into our gym and yeah just to see the benefits that it's had in her day-to-day life and you know she goes she, she you know she tells me things like she went to Optus Stadium and she could walk up and down the stairs without holding onto the rail like it just gives someone so much confidence yeah yeah that's all you know <laughs> it's giving like women that sense of being strong throughout your whole life like and it looks different to different to the lady that's 75 versus a competitor and strength yeah. training can do that it's not one size fits all yes yep awesome well thank you so much kelly for your time i love spending some time with you today and i can't wait for the listeners to hear this as well thank you so much for having me on it was an honor to be asked oh awesome well where can people find us if they want to get in contact with you i know in the future you're going to be working with trainers as well um especially in perth and starting to educate you know women to be able to do the same stuff that you're doing in a coaching capacity so how can people get in contact with you um so we've got our instagram page intrepid strength and conditioning and our facebook page as well intrepid strength and conditioning amazing well i'm sure we will talk again soon yeah, Have a thank you.
You too. <laughs> Bye. Oh, I loved that episode with Kelly. There were so many gold nuggets all through that episode. Um, and I just felt such a big connection with Kelly uh, because, you know, of her, of her experience as a coach and business owner and especially being a mum as well. Um, I felt so much camaraderie in, in hearing, hearing the thoughts of Kelly. So I think that women have such a, a beautiful space in this industry um, and it feels so nice to connect with business owners um, that are women that are pushing forward and offering spaces for our community of women to continue to thrive. So thank you so much, Kelly. I hope you enjoyed that listeners as well. Um, and I'm excited to have continue to have women coming on as the guests. We've got some really awesome ladies that are lined up over coming episodes. Um, so stay tuned.